This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Ben Wilmer and you are listening to Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to this, your very latest episode of Every Step Along The Way. Uh, so yes, just the two of us this week, mate. Just me and of course, Michael Stockley. How are you, Mike? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. Clearly uh, everyone's really happy, so they're eager to join a podcast to talk about yet another defeat. Um, hence the reason there's probably only two of us here, because no one else can bear talking about it. But uh, yeah, good, thank you. Thought you thought maybe somebody might have wanted to run an event. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, obviously we are just too much of a happy podcast, Daniel. So uh, clearly, <laughs> clearly we don't track that type of clientele. Uh, but yeah, and I, I think Ben went to the game, didn't he? And he's probably a little bit uh, deflated after watching that. I mean, don't we're wrong. We we'll get into it, but we're just completely toothless, I think, at both ends of the pitch right now. So I don't think Ben could probably um, bear to stand it, if I'm honest. He's, he's probably still uh, recovering from, from coming back, I think. Yeah, I think as well, we've, um, just so people know, we've altered our schedule this week, haven't we? We've we've moved ourselves 24 hours earlier, which caught, caught a lorry on the hop. He wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> he was like, I can't do Tuesday. No, this isn't normal recording time. What's going on? Um, yeah, well, we've got the uh, what's name coming, haven't we, on Twitter Spaces, uh, 10 p.m. Thursday, just covering off the deadline day, uh, which obviously if you're listening to this on the Thursday, then we'll see you tonight at 10 p.m. Um, but yeah, we just want to try and get as much in as we can as always, don't we? Yeah, so we're releasing this 24 hours earlier on the Thursday mornings than Friday. So that on the Friday morning... Instead of just recording, releasing two podcasts in one and, you know, might get swallowed up and people might not see it or might not have time to listen to them. Um, yeah, we've got two separate ones on two separate days this week. So, yes, hopefully we'll, uh, hopefully we'll have lots to talk about transfer-wise, but I'm sure we'll get into that later on. Uh, so let's start off now. The trip to Stadium Alive, a long trip up to Wearside. Um, five changes on the team sheet, mate, so... Obviously, there was a um, well, sort of four changes, and then obviously Juno back in centre midfield, weren't there? Gucci and for Hoover, people have been calling for that one. Uh, Campbell for Mai, people have been saying that. Hacks for Vidigal, people have been asking for that. Larice for Baker, 
Not really so much. <laughs> um, obviously, then Juno moved off the wing into centre midfield, as we said. So it was a team that maybe people had started asking for in recent weeks. Uh, how did you feel at 2pm when when you saw that, saw the team she had dropped? Mm, um, a little bit like you. I, I was surprised by Baker's omission, uh, if I'm honest with you. I think Baker's been really solid. So clearly that was tactical, maybe even potentially, you know, for all as we know, there could have been a little knock or something or a little bit of fitness type situation maybe going on there. So I can only maybe assume that that was it. So I can kind of forgive that one because I'm sure there's a good reason uh, for how how good he's been playing. Hacks and Campbell and Larissa is, is the three. I think Larissa has been very mediocre this season. He's had moments for me. He's not been awful, but I just think he's really off the boil again. And Tyrese through the middle, interesting, because I think he dropped a few kind of comments about that in the past, about maybe having him playing through the middle. If I'm honest with you, I'm not sure that's Tyrese's best position. I don't think, you know, if you think about like the, well, what position Ryan May's been playing, I think he's actually does play that role quite well. I know it's not going to be leading to loads of goals, but I do think that the link-up play is, is better than Tyrese can do, quite simply. And I think that ability to bring other people into play works really, really well. So I, I was a little bit surprised about him going down the middle. I'm not surprised by the defence, because I think we called it bang on uh, from, from the other week. So, yeah, I won't go into individual players yet in terms of performance, but I'd say there was a couple of surprises Overall, I don't think I would have dropped Ryan May. I know he may have not had the best games previously, but um, yeah, I thought that was a little harsh, if I'm honest. Yeah, well, okay, that was the team she's at two o'clock. Come three o'clock, I think we actually started the game pretty well, didn't we? In that first half, we conceded just before half-time, but before that, there was numerous opportunities where we could and possibly should have taken the lead. I mean, I think there was um, Juno twice. He had one clean off the line, didn't he? The keeper tipped another effort over the bar. Yeah. Uh, Campbell went through on goal, didn't he? And forced to save out the keeper. Uh, Kundal. I think Wilmot had a driving run into the box, which I think that sort of created the chances, didn't it? For was it Kundal and Juno came from that. There was, there was opportunities. And I think we... We're creating more, a lot more than Sunderland were in them initial stages, weren't we? In that four, first you know, 35, 40 minutes. Yeah, we were. And uh, you're right. I mean, the, the play that we actually had for Juno's attempt was pretty good play. You know, we played down the, down the right-hand side, cuts inside, has a bit of a go from, what, 22, 23 yards maybe? Uh, and, you know, I think it's a simple save for Patterson, but still a save that he really had to make. So... I think there was a lot of good play at times. I do think, I don't know, is it lack of confidence? Is it lack of cutting edge? Personally, I think it's a lack of cutting edge and a lack of quality uh, up front that's really costing us. And I also do feel that, and I've seen Lyndon Gooch obviously has got a lot of stick, hasn't he, uh, on Twitter and stuff like that. We've all had our piece and I'm sure you'll probably got something to say. But, you know, most most players are going to struggle against Clark. We have seen how good he's been. His pace is enough to cause any defender's problems. Never mind a Lyndon Gooch, who quite simply is much better on the left than he is on the right. He didn't know whether to go and, and press Clark to let him go. 
in the end, he kind of did a bit of neither at times. So I still prefer him over Henry any day of the week, I think, in that position. Hoover's had more than enough chances so far this year. So I don't think we can fault Schumacher for playing Gooch there because I think most people would have 100% taken that pre-kickoff. I just stand by the fact that I think there's every fullback in this division right now is going to be struggling against Clark. He's clearly one of the best wingers come inside forwards that the the league's had this season, I think. You, you've got to give the other team credit. You can't just say that X, Y and Z was crap. It's not always as black and white as that. Yeah, no, so I think, like I say, you've got to look up the, who they're up against. Um, I think we sort of posted back onto him on Twitter, didn't we? He's like, say, he, he got to the point where he felt he needed to reply because there was that many people having to go at him, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think I just put that, you know, the, the uh, with the people we spoke to, state fans we spoke to, are quite, you know, to, 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 literally to a man have said, you know, how much effort he puts in. Uh, we know that he's going to give 100, 110 every single week. Um, you know, if he does that, then he shouldn't really be getting criticised. He had an off day. End of the day, Jack Clark's probably the best player in this division this season. And yeah, he's maybe had the he's you know, he's he's well had the better of him. But these things happen, he's more established um and and better better rated fullbacks than Gutland and Gooch, if you like, uh, are gonna get torn a new one by Jack Clark this season, aren't they? So that is what it is. I mean, do, do you th- on that note, do you think the manager maybe got these tactics wrong in maybe not doubling up on Clark or not setting up so Gooch had cover um, with Clark. I mean, I know I sort of said that I would have gone with a back three and then wing backs uh, purely because I think we finished last week with well, with this brawl. So then Gooch has got the option of, say, I play Hoover on the right side of the three and Gooch and Hoover then have sort of Gucci has got a bit of cover anti if if uh, if he does get past him, you know you'll have uh, you'd have Keanu in a close proximity to to sort of double up on him and just help him out a bit. But obviously the manager didn't think that way, and it's it's all good in hindsight, isn't it, to say what we should have done. <laughs> well, you know what, I, th- I think this would have been a, a much better decision to probably drop Kundal if a manager not drop is probably the wrong word. It, to not play Kundal, I actually probably would have played Ben Pearson. Now, I know Ben Pearson's not been great this season at times. Well, that's probably a bit of an, even a, being too generous. I think he's been poor at times this season. But I agree with what you're saying. If you look at the back at the goals, now, for, I mean, the Thompson goal was just absolutely shocking defending, to be honest with you. I've never seen such an easy through ball uh, and, and such a big gap. I mean, we've, we've given Hoover a lot of stick this season for, for similar things. And Johnson, you know, Johnson uh, Thompson has gone and done the same thing. But yeah, the gap between the midfield and that attacking kind of, you know, the attacking flair that, of course, Clark's been able to give them. My problem was exactly that. We weren't doubling up. He was getting too much space. He knew if he beat Gooch, he was in. And I think Ben Pearson at least plays that role quite well. If you think back to the previous uh, times during this season, he's always been that last 
man to try and cover and he always covers in at that right back spot you know he spots weaknesses and he makes sure they double up I actually think this would have been a very good game for Ben Pearson he would have spotted these issues so and whether it would have made a big deal of difference who knows but I don't think Kundal I think he was too attacking you know Berger's quite attacking obviously Juno's quite attacking Kundal's going to want to get forward I, I just think he probably went too attacking actually I think we should have had someone just sitting there and literally camped right in front of the back four just to pick those away. I just encourage anyone to go back and have a look at the goals and you just see the the gaps. I'm watching it now again. Clark is one-on-one with Gooch. This is the third time on the highlights I've seen it. And here comes Lloris finally, just he plays a through ball and they slot it in. It's too late. Like... Ben Pearson should have played for me at the weekend. We were two attacking, so I think Shuey, as you kind of hinted at, got one wrong for me. Yeah, I mean, I think his post-match comments didn't you, and we'll talk more on them later as well, but he mentioned not being clinical enough. Now, for me, like I say, you mentioned Juno's shot was, what, 23 yards out. Um and, and you know, you're taking shots from there. You're not gonna. You know, it takes a. It's gonna take a, a pretty good strike to be to keep him from outside the box, isn't it? Especially when he's sort of set. Um, whereas if you look at the goals that we conceded, the first one for me, the first goal for Sunderland actually is quite a bit of luck for them. Um, it's got a bit scrappy, on it? The ball's bounced around, but it's landed right at the feet of a guy stood like four yards out, and he's been able to tap it in, hasn't he? There's the ball's come in. You know, the defender's gone up. The goalkeeper and Wilmot have both taken a position, and I think the other defender as well does, if I remember rightly. They've all taken positions to stop the ball going in from that if, if that header is lost. Now, all that happens is the challenge, and the ball just gets spurred straight across the back across the six yard box to what is now an unmarked Sunderland player who's like cheers, I'll have a tap in. Now, people criticising Ben Wilmot. If Ben Wilmot goes and stands with that guy, yeah, the ball doesn't get to him. But if then the header goes in, into like the you know, back across going into the into the corner of the net, people say, well, why is Wilmot stood six yards six yards away? Why has he stopped? Why has he not got back on the line? You know, defenders, I imagine, you know, from what I think in my thinking football would have been in that position, would have been told to, you know, you cover the goal line first and you, you know, your second ball is something that you will pick up as soon as you can. Um, so that one was a bit lucky. The second one, the third one, though, Thompson was completely missing for the second goal. You know, good work from Clark, like he says, easily he's come inside, beat Gooch, and then the space, he's seen the run into space and played a you know, ball straight into the path of someone. Thompson's not even in the frame, not even in the shot, is he? <laughs> um, and then obviously, then and then appears, but it's, it's too late at that point. And then the third one, again, the, you know, the ball's pulled back to the edge of the box. And it's it's all right if if you do if you're defensively and you do the hard work. When you're saying about teams being more clinical, right? They, they were more clinical because the chances they had, like the third goal there, there's nobody picking up on the edge of the box. So the guys got all the space, all the time in the world, and and all the confidence in that aspect to then come up, step on, stand onto that ball, step into it, and find the bottom corner. He's got nobody around him to put any pressure on him. It's like a training. You know, it's it's just like a training routine. Get in, pull back, finish, because there's no like I say, you haven't he hasn't got a a, a Ben Pearson or anyone else snapping at his heels there, but leading into and putting pressure. And the chances that we had, 
you know, Sunderland never switched off defensively, did they, in that aspect? They were always making it difficult for us so that we had to take what opportunities we could uh, manufacture and take those opportunities at the, you know, at the, what we felt was the best time. We didn't get rushed. So we didn't uh, have the time. So we were, you know, we maybe you felt a bit rushed in certain aspects, or all those pressure put on from defenders. And I think in at least two of those goals, uh, th- that wasn't the case, unfortunately. And that, for me, is is the difference. That that's why they were more clinical because the chances they had, they we you know defensively we hadn't done the hard yards, we hadn't chased, we hadn't got back into positions to put pressure on, and we'd allowed them to. To, to, you know, take shots without any pressure on them, which ultimately means you've got a far greater success rate. And all the, and, and then you can pop that down the other end. The goal that we did score, it was an own goal, but what did it come from? It come from pressure. Look at Nathan Lowe getting on, just trying to get at the end of a cross. No, he might not have done it, but the pressure there and the full-backs caught out because he's, you know, he's going for this header, he doesn't know what to do, whatever. Yeah, he doesn't know if Lowe's going to win it. Is he not going to win it? And the ball's boof, come straight over Lowe's head. Just missed his end, just got in off him. Again, Lowe doesn't, Lowe doesn't make that hard run. Make, Lowe doesn't you know, challenge for the header. Lowe doesn't try to win it. That fullback doesn't make that mistake. No. Um, what do you he say to the people, that though, that are kind of talking <laughs> about the fact that we can't keep relying on other teams to score around, score goals for us. We we do we do need to find a way of being more clinical. Now I think we do get into those, and I say when you say find a way of being more clinical, even as I say that I'm like you're either clinical or you're not. You know you've either got the quality or you've not. Um, and again we've I mean that 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 goal of ours is a complete mess. So I know you're saying about Nathan Lowe, and yes, okay. He he goes up for a header. It could have been anyone doing that. So I'm not going to give Nathan any particular credit for it. Any player should have been going up for a header from a, a ball into a box. So I just think Dan, we we haven't got the quality. It's as simple as that. Tyrese, unfortunately, is never going to be the got the big goal scorer we want him to be. I'm convinced he's off in the summer. I don't see any scenario where he stays. I know you don't necessarily agree with that, but I don't I don't see a scenario where he stays at all. Uh, beyond that. Ryan May is never going to be the goal scorer uh, at all. He's not that type of a striker uh, for me at all. Other than that, Haksabanovic, again, he's more of a winger for me. If if not, actually, probably playing behind a striker, I think it's probably, actually, I think it's his best position. But beyond that, Larissa into striker. So, you know, you look at who is your actual goal scorers and bar, I don't know, the, the likes of Berger, maybe Baker and things like that chipping in, which again are never going to be prolific scorers. They're going to come from free kicks and penalties. We have literally no one to put the ball in the net. That's that's what it boils down to. You've got no one to put the ball in the net. Rose isn't good enough. Um, Hoover isn't good enough. Thompson, let's face it, as good as he's been this year, isn't good enough as a left-back. Um, Iverson, I think, has been... Mm, I don't think he'd do an awful lot about all the goals. I think he's probably been very lacking in terms of being demanding in the box. I think I'd want to see more from him there. And, you know, you look across the entire team and you do wonder, like, have these been a successful bunch of players? I mean, everyone's you know, everyone pre-season, and, you know, partly us included, I think, to a certain level, looked at these players and thought, oh, wow, great, you know, we're going to have a good season. 
quite simply, none of them have barely played in this division, or hardly any of them have played in this division. And I think that's that's proven it now. I don't think we've got an awful lot of quality. And we'll get into transfers on the actual pod uh, coming up, obviously, at 10pm. But beyond, for me, if I look at this team, Dan, beyond Wilmot in defence, Berger and Baker probably, and Juno in terms of midfielders, I'd have to look at a list of players, but I'm struggling to see anyone else I want to see here next season. That's what, kind of where I am. And I, I think we can say clinical, but the fact is they're just not good enough. Who Whose fault that is? I don't know. Is it Alex Neal? Is it Jared Dublin? Is it all of them? I don't know. That's, yeah, I think there are players who I you know, still see a future at the club for in respect of, I think we can go places with them involved. Um, whether that's as a squad first, yeah, whether that's as, as like a sub option or first reserve, if you like, in certain positions. Um, I think there's there's definitely players who we you know we we are going to need to replace uh, to go. I think that yeah, the lucky position says it all, doesn't it? I think, but I do think there's a lot of players as well who may benefit from this season and may come back even better next season. Um, you know, looking at the younger players, looking at the sort of junior, looking at Juno. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, junior. I forgot about him. He's, the AFCON's completely put him out of my mind. Yeah, you're right. Okay, junior's another one I had to keep, obviously. Yeah, and I, I think there, there are, like, like say, um, big, again, he's developing all the time, so the man's always 22 years old. Fantastic. Um, Baker's just coming, you know, he's... he's, he's he has one off game and people are, oh, I thought he was supposed to be the Messiah and then midfield. I'm like, no one said that. <laughs> Nobody said he was like um, like you know, the saviour or anything. We just said he we're a better team with him in it. And he has just come back from an injury that, let's be honest, has plagued him for, what, since October 22? So you're talking, what, about 16 months since he's been able to play properly? Um, you know, yeah. He probably had, what, he had about four or five months of cameo five ten minute cameos because that's all he could literally do with his knee and then he's just had a long spell out injured um recovering from surgery so yeah so shooting down if he doesn't come back and play you know fantastic every game straight away um we should see we've that. not signed any players for multi-million pounds you should expect that from either no, and somebody like a Ryan Mai, especially if you're asking him to lead the lead the line on his own in the, in the championship, he is going to take time to adjust, and it may it may be that he needs a full season um, before you actually start seeing the best of you. It might be that next year, once he's got to grips with the pace, the physicality, the the hectic nature of the championship, the end to end ball buzzing around, the lack of time on the ball, um, the roughness of the defenders and unwillingness from referees to, to, to punish that. Um, that he, he, like I say, once he's adjusted to that and realised you know, what he is going to get a free kick for, what he's not going to get a free kick for, uh, what to expect when the ball comes into him in certain areas. Um, you know, it's, more, it's more than just Ryan, though, Dan, for him to be effective. I think he's got to have players around him 
who are on the same wavelength. We saw that with those little, uh, you know, layoffs and stuff they did. You know, those those few goals that we managed to score as a as a team. You know, that was because we had players who were running at the defense. You know, in they were in time. It was in sync. If he's got a bunch of players around him who don't or aren't, aren't on the same wavelength, and that's not how they've trained previously or whatever, you're absolutely right. It's going to take time. I don't think he again. I don't think he's ever going to be a prolific goal scorer. At all, but I don't care if he if he is that man who helps link up play and then the other two strikers and midfielders score. I don't think anyone would argue with that. Yeah, I think like like you were saying before, we haven't really got that. Haxibanovic, he is more a provider than a finisher, isn't he? Larice, you would say, is hardworking, very much like a you know, like um, in the mould of a John Walters, in the mould of a Jacob Brown, although yeah. Jacob Brown. See, you know, he had one good season in 2014, but it's it's all about hard work and grinding them out. And he has got a good finish on him, but the goals he scores, he isn't going to score you 15 worldies a season, is he? He's probably going to score you five or six, and then maybe get three or four more, five more. If you're lucky, you'll get double figures. Um, Vidigal's probably more a finisher than a creator. But you've got to get him in the right areas. I think sometimes we are he's staying too far wide. When you look at the goals that he scored, if you think back to the goals he scored against Rotherham at the start of the season, you think of the goal he scored against um, Watford at home that won the game, think of the goal he scored against Hull, they're all in and around the penalty box in the centre of the pitch. Um, aren't they? They're all you know, he hasn't he hasn't cut in from wide and scored. They're all where he's collecting the ball and getting it in, mainly within two or three yards of the outside of the post. Do you know what I mean? He's in and around the goalpost area, almost as if he's he's clinical as a second striker, if you like. But not as a wide man. He doesn't give you assists. He's not. You know, he doesn't really cross the ball in. He hasn't got the the eye of a through ball pass as such. Uh, he's got. He probably could win you corners throw-ins on the wing but if you want him to be scoring goals he literally really needs to be more infield and he needs to be drifting a lot further in a lot earlier in the moves for me um ryan my i think he's a weird he's a real weird one because he misses a shed load of chances and then when he does score like he scored away at watford um he scored the goal against west against rather in the cup didn't he he scored uh it was the other one it was a great finish was it was Sunderland, wasn't it? Sunderland's home, and you think he when he does score, you think, my God, those are three really quality finishes. But then he, he doesn't like he'll miss a shed load of chances, and he's sort of scratching your head, going, "What are you? Are you a good finisher?" Because you've proven that you you can find the bottom corner semi regularly, or are you not? Because you miss all these chances. I just wonder whether if he gets. If, if he got, you know, had a run of games where he scored two, three games, four games in a row, whether then you would start seeing consistent goals from him. His record suggests that he's, played, he's capable of it. I mean, he played uh, for Fan Kravos, didn't he, in Hungary, and he scored over a goal over a goal every other game for them. I think it was, um, it was something like he scored, sort of like, you know, three and five, that kind of, that kind of ratio, um, which we'll take that <laughs> over the course of a season. What's that? We will. About 27, 27 over a season. 
I'll take, we will, I'll take and half of that at this stage. <laughs> you've also, at the same time, though, we've got to understand that, it, and you know this, you don't need me to tell you this, but it's a different league against different types of defenders, different style of play. You know, there's there's a lot of differences. We've seen players from bigger and better clubs and bigger and better fees than, than Ryan May has been and completely flop in this division. I mean, it's a diff- different level, right? But uh, what was his face uh, from Scotland? When he was scoring for fun. He was scoring 20, 30 goals a season. Birmingham go assign him. Doesn't score a single goal in about 20 matches. And he's now playing nowhere. Uh, I can't remember his name for the life of me. But it's things like that. It, just because someone scored 15, 20 goals somewhere else doesn't mean that they're any good. It just means that the people around them are, are even worse. Potentially, yeah, that, I'm not saying that's the case, but it could be the case. I wouldn't read an awful lot into that. He's he's still got time to settle in, and he's got he's got to prove himself. Because like you're saying, if you go and score a couple of worlds every now and then, okay, that's great. But if you're missing 15 chances in between that, which you should be scoring, he's not good enough. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, I think what what yeah, I think what I was trying to say was he's. Proven there that no matter what the standard was, he can find the back of the net on a regular basis. He's still had to finish those chances, hasn't he? And I think his Champions League record is for Pan Cross over the last, not even like way gone. This is like last season, the season before. I think he had nine appearances, four goals. So he's, he can score. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's obviously got, got something in him to find the net. It's just getting him in them positions. And maybe I think he. Potentially could be a confidence issue. And you look at the teams, you look at the amount of players that we have got, the amount of chances we've missed. A lot of them probably are adjusting to the game and that's not being helped by now a low, low confidence in front of goal. You look at Vidigal at the start of the season, he was absolutely flying, the lad was. But he's, he's not getting them chances now. So is he not getting them chances because he's missed a few? And he's, is he hiding away from getting in those positions? Are we tactically not getting him in those positions? Is is he being coached out of him to state, no, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, coming in, that's all well and good. And you put it in the top corner, but I don't want that from you. I want you to be out there. Is that what he's being told? Um, I... Just think that over time we we are going to have to just be patient. I think a lot of these players will get a second season because they they may well come good, but we're just going to have to wait and see. There's, there's going to be movement. Obviously, there's hopefully going to be movement in January. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of movement over the summer. The manager's going to bring in or at least all you know sanction a lot of deals. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's I wouldn't give up hope on a few of these lads yet. Uh, Stoke fans but, and patience, Dan. Bloody hell, you don't want much, do you? <laughs> Well, um, let's listen first uh, to our friends from Sunderland. They've sent us their thoughts on the game. So I think despite the scoreline, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a free one game as in it was entirely one-sided. You know, I wouldn't say Sunderland dominated or anything like that. Um, I think it was purely a case of this was one of your standard championship games between two sides who probably aren't good enough to get promoted, probably too good to really be in any relegation bother. You know, the type of sides who are going to be in the mid-table, the playoffs mix, really, based on the quality of their teams. And I just think on the day, it was one of those where Sunderland took their chances. I think we scored some good goals. Obviously, we only gave away one to an own goal, but Stoke missed quite a lot of really good chances. And I think 
this could have very easily been a high score and draw game had Stoke taken the opportunities. Quite a few were flashed wide. Patterson made some good saves. And I think the real difference maker really for us, I mean, Abdullah Barr got a goal and two assists, but I think Jack Clark, one of his easiest afternoons, I think Lyndon Gooch sort of showed that it was the correct decision from Sunderland to let him go in the summer, I think, especially as a right-back in a four. I think it was always going to be a very hard task for him to mark Jack Clark 1v1, but I think all game, he really, really struggled, and that was one-way traffic. Clark very easily got past him and made things happen, and I think he was sort of linked to all the goals as well, which was quite key. In terms of Stoke players who caught my eye, um, Obviously, I know you guys mentioned Wouterberger. I think he was tidy, but sort of one of those players who can only do so much unless he's got like really good players of his level around him. Um, obviously, kept the ball well, but not really creative in that sense. I think the other one that caught my eye, although he got subbed off, was your number 20. I'm not gonna, even going to try and pronounce his last name, but I thought he had some nice touches and takedowns and was quite sharp on the ball. But I think... To be honest, I think the Stoke attack just lacked that finishing touch, created some good chances, gotten some good areas, moved the ball quite nicely. But, I mean, it took a Sunderland player to put the ball in the net at the end of the day. So I think overall, probably a fair result in that Sunderland took their chances, Stoke didn't. But as I said, could have easily been a score draw, could have easily been 3-3. And I think it's probably just a case for Stoke I imagine maybe Hoover will come back into Gucci to try and fix that problem because you know conceding three goals is never good in any sense of a game. But I think the main thing for Stoke will be just scoring those clear-cut chances because there was more than enough created and there was some great spells of play, some good possessions, some good moves on the floor, but just no opportunities were taken. Thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, it's about... Pretty fair, Mike. He's, he said, you know, we, we potentially sh- should have really been maybe getting a point. It should have, if we'd have been more clinical in front of goal, we did, we just should have scored three or four. I think that's uh, that's pretty much echoing what we've just said there, isn't it? Yeah, I, I was, I was going to say that. Yeah, it's, acknowledge the fact that we were probably lacking a bit of quality up front. I mentioned, you know, being a little bit toothless front and back, and I think he. He kind of saw that as as well. Um, so yeah, I think he I think he called it quite quite nicely to be honest, and quite complimentary as uh, as well. I'm I'm confident that we will be seeing them next season. <laughs> uh, that's fame, uh, last words, of course. But uh, yeah, obviously we really appreciate the audio you've given us uh, this season as well. So um, no doubt we'll be speaking to him again soon. Uh, on the terms of. Uh... Medical strikers. I've just noticed here that Ben Brereton Diaz scored again for Sheffield United tonight. So that's two and two Premier League games now. <laughs> well, we can get we'll, get we'll go and get him in the summer, eh? Yeah, because he's going to yeah. touch us with a barge pole now, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, right, man of the match. So, who's your man of the match, mate? Juno. Juno. Well, third place it was Ben Wilmot with eight percent of the vote. Second was Valterberger with ten percent. The eighth game, so eighth game in a row, he's gone first or second in the poll, every single one of Schumacher's games. Um, and then, yes, for his second man of the match of the season, Juno with a massive 72% of the vote. So he's got man of the match at Plymouth away and Sunderland away. So he obviously 
obviously he likes a long trip, doesn't he? He likes getting yeah. chilling out on the couch for about six hours. Obviously not six hours to someone, but uh, yeah, some, so, some players just play with more freedom and stuff when they're away, don't they? And they, they find more space. Mm-hmm. It's a different type of game. And I mean, let's, let's let's be honest, the rest of the team haven't exactly shone at home. So uh, yeah, it good good on him. I think he's he's really growing into this season. He's by far not the finished article. We know there's a language thing there as well. Uh, I I think he is definitely one of them people you put in the category of this season is finding your feet. Next season could be exceptional. We'll, we'll keep an eye on him. Him and Berger could be amazing next year. I think he is ahead of what Stoke would have been expecting from him at this stage. Yeah, yeah quite possibly. Uh, there was also votes for Nathan Lowe, Haksabanovic and Orion Mai. They all got votes as well in the poll. Uh, player of the month for January. Who would you would you say, mate? January. So we've got what Ipswich <laughs> through to Sunderland. I think uh, it's going to be Berger, in it? I think. Well, you'll be interested to know that in first place was Kiana Hoover. Yeah, that's, that's Kiana just voting for himself again every week, is it? Uh, ben Wilmot, the returning Ben Wilmot, 39 points. Uh, yeah. Third was Juno with 68. He's moved him up to fifth in the player of the season standards as well. So he's on the march there. Uh, second, Lewis Baker with 90 points. So he got two mm. minor matches and a third place from his five from the five games we played this month. But with two minor matches, three second places from the five matches, 122 points of Wouter Berger. Back-to-back yeah. Player of the Month awards for him. It's fair results there. I think Baker getting second is also a fair result. Like you say, he had probably one bad game, but... By and large, he's uh, well. He bailed us out with with the free kick and stuff like that. So, yeah, very much deserved. I really hope to see him back. If I'm honest with you, this weekend, I think we're going to need plenty of solidity in that midfield. But we will get onto that. Indeed. Uh, so, shall we get into the news? Right. So, the under 18s last week they lost four one at home to Everton. So the losing streak continues. We stick 11th in the league. Everton are up to 12th. So they're hot on our heels now after ending their own losing streak. Uh, this week, this week though, we have no game scheduled. Leeds away on Saturday the 10th of Feb is the next fixture. That's a midday kickoff for anyone planning to go watch that. Uh, the under-21, so last week they lost 3-1 at West Ham. So whereas the, uh, the under-18s were up against another side on a losing streak, both of them West Ham were winning a lot of games. Let me get into this one. But yeah, West Ham, second in the league, they carried on their great run. Uh, Dwight Gale played up front in this match, but yes, the winning run was ended. Jack Griffiths scored the Stoke goal in that one. They're so Dwight Gale th- still can't score a goal. Fantastic. No. Um, this week, they have no game, the under-21s. Uh, next in action, Liverpool away, Sunday the 11th of February at Liverpool's Academy. Uh, so, yeah, that's 11am kickoff on that one. Uh, so, the women, last week, the women drew 1-1 away at Wolves. Lily Murphy thought she'd won the game, but Wolves equalised in the 95th minute. So, yeah, denied as a win there down in South Staffordshire. Uh, and this week in the Staff Senior Cup semi-final at home to Sporting Calcer. So, again, that they tried to play a couple of weeks ago, but the weather put pay to it. They'll try again this coming Sunday at 2pm at the Emery Stadium. So, the club's accounts come out this week. Uh, we do apologise. 
we were hoping uh, that they'd be delayed a little bit longer so we might have got um, a certain uh, football finance expert on to deal with them. Uh, but yes, to be fair, we haven't even asked him, have we? Because we know that at this time of year, the transfer window and everything else, he is snowed under with work. So we haven't even bothered him <laughs> for, his, uh, for his time. But yeah, the club made an £11 million loss um, last year, it, even though they made £15.3 million profit on transfers, which actually went down to £13.6 million cash. So I imagine that means that even though the actual transfers, um, the one put the one point seven million pound difference must be, I'd imagine, um, money that went to uh, Dundee United. Was it from the Harry Suter deal, like the salon? Yeah, yeah. So obviously that's like fifty. It looks like fifteen million for Suter and three hundred thousand pound for Joe Bursick. And uh, there may even have been a little bit of money that went to AFC Wimbledon for Joe Bursick, uh, where we got him from there. Uh, the trading loss, £26.8 million. So, yeah, if you take off the transfers, that's how much money we actually lost last year without player sales. Um, and uh, doesn't that, I mean, I know it gets said a lot, but doesn't that go to show how important the Coates family is to be losing that type of money? And if I'm honest, just not really bat an eyelid at it, to be honest, not be, not be concerned that someone's going to come knocking on the door. And this isn't one of the high horse Oh, be you know careful. You wish for conversations. It's just an observation that you know, even despite all the cost cutting and everything we've done, the lack of money we've spent as a club, we're still losing multi million pounds. Who would be a football owner? You certainly don't do it for making money, do you? Let's be honest. No, not at all. The thing is, right? They've lost twenty six point twenty six point eight million pounds, and this is like year on year on year. It just keeps going and going, doesn't it? And like I say, without that investment, we we're struggling enough as it is. <laughs> I don't. Why else would we be doing? Because I don't. There's nobody else really lined up to to um, invest in Stoke. You know, it's it's not as if we're in like London or we're in a major city or anything like that. Is it? You know, we've not got. The, I mean, we we are proud of our history and our heritage and all that. But from an outside outside it. What are they buying into? There's nothing really there, is there? Um, and there's a long, um, it's a long time since I've been in the Premier League now. And I think for a, yeah. a lot of people outside, Stoke City is unheard of, irrelevant. And people don't like to hear it, but that's what we are now for a large extent outside of our our immediate circle and the championship circle. We're, we're not looked at as being a promotion favourite as much as we'd love we'd love to be. Like, this is going to be one of my questions on Thursday. I'm not I'm not going to spoil it, um, so I'm not going into any detail, but you're spot on, mate. There's, this is another thing of we'd all love to be able to claim to be this great, successful football club, but the fact is, since we got relegated, we're nothing special. And it, it hurts to say that, if I'm honest, but it's an attraction piece. <laughs> I'd love to know what we sell to the, to the players who are coming in. I think that's um, some of the targets we've had this January. I think clearly they've chosen other clubs, which would make you wonder why they're doing that. Going back to the to, to the actual figures, I mean, like I said, the trading loss, 26.8 million. That's bad. But when you consider it, I mean, you are about the Coates family and their investments. £8.3 million was invested in the stadium 
the training ground, including uh, Ricardo's, which cost two and a half million pounds, and all that is part of a thirty million pound um, project that they're going to do over five years. They've, they put new floodlights in. Obviously, you've had you know, with the light show and everything as well that goes the fan zone. Uh, you've got the new training ground. Both the applications are in for them to to, to do them up, and you think. You know, they, they spend. I mean, they would have lost eighteen and a half million, and they thought that's not enough. We're going to stick another eight million quid on top of that because we need to update this, and we're going to put this on like a paint and fancy up this Ricardo's bar. And it's like, I mean, they could quite easily in the rights go. You know, we've invested quite a lot of money just to keep us afloat. We we can't be putting any more. You know, we're not willing to put any more in. But they do. They just keep putting their hands in the pockets, and I think people just need to respect. That I understand the decisions all you know don't always come good. Um, they've made mistakes. I mean, who hasn't in business and everything else? Um, but I do think they're trying the best. I think they're trying to adapt and they're trying to learn from past mistakes and make modernize the football club. They're bringing other people in, aren't they? So you just have to. I think it's a new process. I think they're learning as they're going along as well because obviously they have changed direction so much from what we used to do and trying to open their eyes into like the modern way that, that clubs are run. Um, so hopefully, it's, it's say it'll, over time, that'll come good. One big thing, the income stayed the same, £31.2 million, exactly the same as it was the year before. Wages, though, are down £7.3 million over the year to £30.1 million. Now, £30.1 million is still a massive wage bill, isn't it, really? You know, it's, big, it's bigger than mine and your wage bills, Mike. <laughs> well, may, maybe yours, mate. <laughs> but that that is a 20% drop. You consider that with the drop we'd had the year before, the drop the year before that, 20% drop in wages. So it just shows what a yeah. great job that they did last summer and why when people criticise the recruitment of last summer and Michael O'Neill and all that, well, Look at what he was working with. He's had his budget put yet again by another twenty percent. Um, but yeah, yeah, we could go on for a while with this one. We'll, we'll we'll try and get Kieran on if if we can. Um, but yeah, we we've uh, we've got a lot of respect for Kieran. He's uh, he's a he's a good bloke. He's a very busy bloke. Every media outlet wants him, and uh, we'd we don't want to take him away from his his life and his work sometimes. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. Um, another news, more positive news as well. Nathan Lowe signed a new four and a half year deal. Takes him, keeps him at the club uh, till twenty twenty eight. So yes, he's a uh, yeah summer twenty twenty eight. What's the lad signed up for? What does he know? What he's done? <laughs> you know what? Though it's quite interesting. I, I watched that video that went out on YouTube. Um, actually, I say watch it. I've watched about three quarters of it. I've not finished it off, but I think Nathan said something I thought was very mature and and actually quite accurate. You know, he's like, "Look, I've still not made it yet," and it's true. He hasn't. You know, he's he's made a good breakthrough. He's he's earned his place uh, in that squad and, and earned his opportunity to to prove himself. We all know when he's come on, he's obviously not really done an awful lot he scored that goal which was which was fine you know good but he is still learning it's still so raw um we've seen you know the lap who came obviously came towards and he was incredibly raw and way off the pace and he you know prior to his injury he had a pretty decent season with Hull so you know he he'd come good and I think with Nathan we just have to again as much as we want a local lad to just get you know an academy prospect just to 
get a load of goals and be this big, amazing player, we do still need to understand that. Think about where you were 18 years old. Do you think, you know, it's 18 years old playing championship football with big crowds, expectation on you. It's a lot of pressure. I certainly couldn't have coped with it. And I'm sure most 18-year-olds couldn't cope with it. So he's got a lot of learning to do. I still think part of me thinks he probably needs a loan, maybe just to League One, just to get a little bit more uh, about him. But yeah, I'm delighted he's signed on. Emre, I think, is the next one off the uh, conveyor belt that I want to see get another chance again. He does score goals for fun. I mean, if we could get, maybe in the future, it'd be Emre and Lowe. How nice would that be as a, as a front two, potentially? Instead, I wonder whether they've given this contract because they're going to send um, send him out on loan. So mm. he's got that in his back pocket. He knows he's coming back. He knows he's, you know, the club wanting to succeed and they believe in him. And also, if he goes out there and fires in ten goals between now and May, he goes on a mad scoring spree in League One or something. Then, you know, if somebody does want him in the summer, they're going to have to pay big money for him. Well, there was times when Newcastle United wanted him. Remember? Yeah. Um, more news: uh, Leeds Supporters Club are having to meet the players now. It's Thursday, fifteenth February, seven pm. The three players, if you do wish to go, are Josh Loren, Kundal, and Daniel Everson. So yes, two loanies and the uh, I suppose he is still officially the club captain. Into Josh, uh, three pound tickets are. If you want one, you should call Rob Arnold on 07809-344-584. So, yes, today's 21. I'm sure those tickets will be snapped up very quickly. Uh, transfers, match. So, the window closes 11 p.m. Thursday. As we mentioned earlier on, we are doing a Spaces 10 p.m. onwards on Twitter. That podcast will be out on Friday as well. Uh, Remain Mundle. So Fabrizio Romano says we have lost out in the battle for his signature. He's signing permanently at Sunderland. Uh, looks likely he's replacing Jack Clark, who is uh, on his way to Lazio, it would appear. So we'll see if those two deals are made official and go out. Uh, we've signed 18-year-old Republic of Ireland under-19 international Darius Lipcook from St. Patrick's. Two-and-a-half-year deal for him. He's gone straight into the under-21 squad. He's a midfielder. Uh, and also a bit of women's news, actually. They've signed Evie Smith. So she made a debut last week. But yeah, since we last did the podcast, the women have signed Evie Smith on loan from Blackburn for the remainder of the season. Now, uh, what are your predictions at this point then, mate? It's very quiet going into deadline day. Um, oh, my word, what is going on here? I've got Sky Sports News in front of me, Michael, and it's just popped up the front page of the rag known as The Sun. Guess what the headline is? Um, I don't even guess now the way you've teed that up. Go on. It, it says exclusive star fans dream. Robbie bid to buy Port Vale. Oh, what well, is he supporting Port Vale this week? Is he? Oh, he's I mean, he's, the, he's West Ham one week, Chelsea the next. Okay, whatever. He's on the well, front page, he's the entire front page of the sun, so they must be wired up for a story tomorrow. So, how much would you say it's worth, mate? Five pounds fifty and a bag of salt and vinegar crisps. What, what do you reckon? <laughs> And they'd probably give it away at this point. Yeah, well, it's a shame. Cause you know what? It, it all. I know people won't thank me for this, but I don't care. Um, 
I think the Shanahan's have actually done really well for Port Vale. They were in a really yes. bad way when, obviously, what's-his-face was, was in charge. Anyone like, who got without, rid of that Norman Smirthwaite. Norman Smirthwaite, that was it. Without them coming in and, let's be honest, saving Vale, which some people don't like Port Vale, and that, that's fine. Uh, I don't say we, we, we don't particularly overly like them, but still, at the same time, like, I wouldn't want to see any any club go out of business. I don't, I don't hate any club. Um, but, yeah, I, it, it's, it's interesting. I don't know whether it's just another publicity stunt because Robbie feels he hasn't been in the news recently or what, but uh, I don't see him pumping his millions into Port Vale, quite frankly. So whatever he does, I don't see it changing Port Vale's uh, fortunes, unfortunately, for them. Yeah, I think it's a very expensive hobby owning a football club. Mind <laughs> you, I suppose he's, uh, he's got plenty of money to be in if he wishes to do so. Um. Anyway, enough talk about Beauvais on this podcast. Um, something else, by the way. Uh, so apparently we're trying to negotiate the release of at least two loan players, at least two loan being the optimum word there. And um, I think the Sentinel have reported bits of it as well, if I'm not mistaken, at some point today. Like I said, I've not I've not looked at the details, but uh, yeah, at least two loans they want to get rid of, potentially more. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But maybe we're in a scenario down where it's if it's two out, it's two in. Like we, it's literally in, you know, like for like, kind of at the door. Now, where that would be. Very, we'll go into this in a little bit more detail, I think, on the on the on the 10 p.m. I don't want to spend too long on it, but which positions do you think, or which people do you think we would send back uh, from their loan deals? You would have to expect that one would be Guyana, just basically thinking that we have for fullbacks, we do have Thompson, Stevens, Gooch, Junior, all there, haven't we? So well. I agree with you on Hoover. I think Haksabanovic will be going back. I don't think he's... I said to you that a few weeks ago, I don't think he's a, a Schumacher a winger at all. Mm. Yeah, I don't think he's energetic enough, is he? Unless, of course... Now, the reason I'm saying at least two, just what I've seen, at least two, is because I wouldn't be surprised if Luke McNally went back. If we can think we can get another solid defender... We'd have to get one in first, surely. Well, yeah, I think that's just it. It would only be ripped up if, if needs be. Again, like we've said, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's the right type of player. So I think if we can get another centre-back in, whether that's a... I don't know who's out of contracts, but anyone who's out of contracts is probably not going to be fit at all. So that's not a solution. So, yeah, unless we're getting another player in, I think uh, McNally will be the one to go back. Would not surprise well, me at all. Well, obviously, we've got Bundle and Everson. And then if it's at least two, then that sort of narrows it down because it ain't going to be them two. They'll all just come. So you yeah. imagine it's going to be, like I say, Hoover, uh, McNally and Haksabanovic. It's got to be, hasn't it? Yeah. Is I'm trying to remember what our low players were for a second then. but I think Obviously, I think we've only got five, haven't we? Probably five, is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah I'm, I, I think no one's going to miss Hoover. I think I w- at the minute we'd miss McNally more just because of lack of quality cover. But if we can get somebody else in, then yeah. I'd, if it had to be two, I'd send Hoover back and I would send 
I'd send Haksabanovic back, I think. Can you see anyone going to generate a fee? Can you see any fee generators leaving the building? You know what? Yeah. Not because I wanted to, but I wouldn't be surprised. See, I was going to say Baker. I'm trying to think about the players where we're a bit busy. Everybody's We've got cover. Who's Baker going? <laughs> yeah, well, see, I, I'm just thinking about players who are going to generate a fee. We're not going to get rid of Berger. We're not going to get it, get rid of Juno. Um, so that, as far as midfield go, in terms of the cover we've got in midfield, Ben Pearson could go, but I also... Actually, yeah, as you know what? Split saying this out loud. Ben Pearson, potentially. Because I think he would see that if Stevens can stay fit, if we could maybe bring in someone who could probably play in that left back spot as well, then Stevens covers that left side uh, as well as maybe one other, and then Thompson can still play that holding midfielder. So if Ben Pearson really isn't a a shoey type player and he's not willing to accept him, then I suppose you could say that Baker and Pearson are the two people who could make up uh, if well. Maybe a, a million or two. I don't know what their values would be. I really couldn't tell you. I don't want Baker to go because I still think there's a good player in there. So the thing is, the value is whatever people are willing to pay. It's the same as anything. And big money. Let's not forget, uh, both of them are on good, good money. Mm. If they think that they can free up 50 grand a week between the two of them, plus a bit of a fee, I think they'd snap their hands off, if I'm honest with you. And then go out and get three Schumacher signings then. Exactly, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Don't talk any more about transfers. We'll save that. You want 10. to be yeah. a football manager, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, any other business before we move into the uh, the Leicester game? Uh, guess who signed for Cardiff City? Yes, Badu Indai. So, mark that one off in your uh, on your calendars, folks. Aaron Ramsey will be very happy to have somebody take the um, take the limelight off him in that game for once. We might we might get away without spooning him and disgracing ourselves, <laughs> giving him a load of stick, and uh, yes, dragging him through, through the mud a bit more. So yes, but doing die signs for Cardiff. Can't wait to uh, boo him off the pitch. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the only thing you're going to see him doing because he's clearly too good for this division. So yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right, let's get into Leicester City at home. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Picture the scene all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So then, Michael, we're going to lead off with some stats for you. So we have played Leicester 103 times and it's a real even, um, real even results, really. 33 victories, 35 draws, 35 defeats. At home, we've played them on 51 occasions with 26 wins, 15 draws and just a 10 defeats. Uh, we have, though, no wins in our last eight games against Leicester and no win in our last five home games against the Foxes. In fact, though, the last three home league wins versus Leicester were all done in successive seasons in the mid-2000s. So 2005, 6, 6, 7, 7, 8. The scores, though, were 3-2, 3-2 and 
So let's hope that we can make it four home leagues in a row. And I'll take another three or four too. I remember as well that first three two, I'm sure that was. Yeah, it was. It was at the end of the binary period. So you know those like eighteen games that we had that were like one nil either way or nil nil. Yeah, and uh, I remember that we conceded. I was at the game. I remember we signed Kevin Harper just before, and we conceded really early on. And I remember two to mate going, "Well, that's one nil, and we've lost, haven't we?" <laughs> and then Harper, he, I think he he, he took a he took a corner, and he pulled it back to the edge of the box to Dave Brammer, and he scored. And then Harper and Harper scored himself before half time, and we were like, "What is going on here?" We've broken the record. Yes, it's gone. It's ended. Um, and yeah, it was a, that was a brilliant game. Like I said, ended 3-2. So I'll take another one of them. Uh, Steven Schumacher against Leicester, just a one game, which was a 4-0 defeat at Leicester whilst he was Plymouth manager in December. Uh, just gone just a few weeks ago. Steven Schumacher versus Maresca is obviously just a one game, same as the same as I just mentioned. And Maresca versus Stoke, he had just a one game, which was the 2 0 Leicester victory at um, what's it called? The Walker's Bowl or wherever it is these days, the <laughs> King Power Stadium, Filbert Street, yeah. what you want to call um, in October last year. So yeah, home form has 16 points, which has the 19th in the home form table. The last home win there was October 25th against Leeds, eight home games ago. Uh, last five matches, we are in 18th. So soon change in this form table, don't you, with one or two results. Uh, yeah, five points in the last five matches. Uh, Leicester's away form, though, they are 32 points away from home, which puts them miles clear at the top of the away form table. Interestingly, though, both teams have scored in 10 of their last 12 away games. So in that period, Cardiff, uh, uh, Coventry, are the only side to keep a clean sheet. Um, And Borough are the only team that didn't score against Leicester. So very interesting there. And in Leicester's last five games, isn't as dominating and... um, Sweeping everyone aside, as you may think, they are fifth in the form table, having collected just eight points in the last five matches. Now, I um, I saw, sorry, I, I saw some stats by the way. Um, I was looking up because I thought I, I can't outdo you by any stretch, right? <laughs> um, you know, you I don't know where you get them from, don't know, don't know what you do, but um, I saw some. Uh, so let me know when you're going to go and jump over to the referee, and I'll give you them just before you do that. Yes, no problem. I will fire with some Leicester stats just to end off then before we hand over to yourself. Uh, they are top of the league by seven points and are on course for a record 108 points this season. They have four more wins than anyone in the league with 21. They've scored, well, 22 actually now after tonight. Uh, they have scored more goals and conceded less than anyone else in the division. Only Southampton have averaged more possession than Leicester's 63.2%. They've been awarding more penalties, eight, including one tonight, than anyone else. And they've converted all of them whilst not conceding a single penalty all season. They do give chances, though. Only 12 goalkeepers have made more saves than Leicester's 78. Whilst their 78% save rate is actually the highest in the division. 
so their goalkeepers save more than anyone else. It could just be though that people, when they get anywhere near the last goal, are just hitting it because they're like they don't know whether they're going to get that close again. So the quality of the saves is something else maybe that could be looked at. Corners though, corners are going to be crucial in this game, Mike. Leicester have conceded from six corners this season, which is the same as Stoke, whilst both sides have scored five goals from corners. I think, okay, we're going to have to get some corners. Well, Stoke have won 181 corners this season to Leicester's 143. We actually, there's only three clubs who've hit more, more corners than Stoke. We have conceded 142 to Leicester's 136, so we both conceded roughly the same amount, but we do win more corners. So hopefully we can keep that trend going and, um, yeah, see if we can notch a seventh corner goal against Leicester this season. Uh, something to note, if you uh, if you are listening in the tactical department at Stoke, 70% of Leicester's corners this season have been in-swingers which it stands up against just 52% of Stokes. So where Stokes are pretty much 50-50 splits, you know, you know, half go in-swingers, half out-swingers, seven out of ten of Leicesters have swung in on top of the goalkeeper, only three out of ten swing away. Uh, that's what I've got stats-wise, mate. What have you got? So I think a couple of you might have mentioned, so I'm sorry if I do repeat a little bit to this, but um, like I say, I've got the obvious one. So the fact that, you know, winless in seven league games against Leicester, we mentioned that one. Um, yeah, Leicester are looking to complete a league double over Stoke for the first time since 1989-1990. Um, since a three-game winning run in October, we have won just two of the last 15 matches, as you, I think, maybe have pointed out. Um, and this will be Stephen Schumacher's 102nd league game in charge of in, in the Football League, so 94 at Plymouth, seven, 7 at Stoke. But he's never previously lost three successive league matches as a manager. So those are the couple I've got there. But I think you may have mentioned a couple, maybe. Mm, some very interesting stats there. I do like the Stephen Schumacher not having three successive defeats. That tells me he's a manager who knows how to get out of a rut before he gets bad. Unfortunately, we love to break records at this club. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome to the list, well. Mr Schumacher. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he'll be, having, he'll be sticking a zero on the end of that soon. It's the first time in my career I've lost 30 matches in a row. Don't know why they haven't sat me yet. <laughs> So, a referee, a young Louis Smith, 26 games he's ref this season. He's only ever ref 39, you know, in his whole career as a professional referee. But yes, 26 this season, he's given out 104 yellows, five reds, given four penalties, 12 home wins, seven draws, seven defeats. Uh, he has never ref Leicester City and has ref Stoke just once. You give them two yellows, no reds, and there's no penalties involved in the 2-0 defeat away at Watford on the final game of last season. So that was the only time he ever ref the Potters. On this day, well, this, these were the days, Mike, apart from the fact that it was the middle of the Second World War, of course. But Saturday, uh, the 3rd of February, 1945, England versus Scotland at Villa Park. There were three Stoke players in the starting lineup for England. Frank Sue, Stanley Matthews and Neil Franklin all played for England in that game. Would you like to hear from Graham and from our friends at Leicester before we, we give our thoughts? Oh, we'll go on then because I can just copy off them so that sounds good to me. <laughs> right, so yes, this is Chris Ferrien from the Leicester Podcast and also Graham McGarry. 
Hello there, you Potters predictors. Well, the champions elect Leicester City are in town this weekend when they come to the Bet365 for your championship fixture. Will they still have Dewsbury Hall? Well, we'll have to wait and see because the transfer window will tell you that come Thursday night. So you'll soon be finding out a few hours after it's closed where he's coming to the Bet365 on Saturday afternoon. Stoke, of course, disappointed once again with the result at Sunderland. Once again, plenty of efforts towards goal, but no real killer instinct around the penalty area. Cost them dearly, and now they've got to put that behind them and try to become one of the few teams that take the points off Leicester City this season. Can they do it? Well, the home fans will be behind them. There's no doubt about that. Steven Schumacher is hoping that his side can put it together and get a result. I think it's going to be very hard and a very difficult afternoon for those going to the Bet365 Stadium. Stoke City 1, Leicester 3. Well, what a season. Um, wasn't expecting this when we came down, uh, if I'm honest with you. I mean, I know everybody's been going on about, oh, Leicester City, PSG, the championship, you know, all this money to spend, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, if you look at how we're struggling to find £2 million to bring in a, a Italian midfielder, that's how rich we are. Um January window, uh, I'm not happy about it. It's very quiet, but, well, I say not happy. Look, at the end of the day, we, we did a lot of our business in January. Uh, we came down, we sold, you know, three players for £100 million. We you know, haven't got much of that money because we're having to pay off loans, etc. So we're like every other club. We're trying to stay uh, within the FFP rules. So uh, that's sort of why we're where we are at the moment. Uh I would have been happy this season with um, probably uh, sort of seventh or eighth if it meant we went up next season uh, a stronger. But look, you know, the season has been fantastic. Uh, it's happy. Uh, well, I'm happy just to be winning again. I'd forgotten what it was like to be to win a game after last season. Uh, but it, the way that the season's gone, we didn't expect it to go this good this quickly. Um, the problem is when you're at the top, there's only one way you can go, and that's down. Um, but it's it's looking good, I've got to say. Of course it is. Um, I think we've lost four or five games, something like that. So, you know, we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't complain um, where we are. Uh, everybody says we're up anyway, but look, this is Leicester and this is football. It's a difficult division to get out of. There's some, you know, teams in there that make it difficult for us. Um, you know, we yes, we you know we lost to Coventry recently. We you know we've got two draws with Ipswich, but I'm happy. Obviously, can't not be happy with the way the season's going. Uh, I'd be stupid to say anything different. Uh, but the the worrying thing for for you, if guys, I would say, is the fact that we should have Fatou back at the weekend. Uh, he didn't go to Afcon. Um, he wasn't sure if he was going to get game time, so he said he was going to stay with us. He stayed with us and then got sent off against Coventry. So we missed him for three games. <laughs> so he might as well have gone to Afcon, really. Um, but so, but he's back. And that should be worrying for you because he has been a revelation this year on loan with an option to buy. Well, not an option. We have to buy him if we go up. That's the deal. Um, so, uh, and, and as I say, he, he's been a key player for us. Both our wingers have. Last season, we had one winger. This season, we've got three or four. We've got youth players coming through. McAteer, if Atawu isn't ready to come back for whatever reason, and he should be raring to go, but McAteer will fill in in that row. 
in, in that role. Um, you know, uh, indeed, he was one of our key players. He's out injured. Um, but uh, Eunice is playing very well, two goals in two games. We can't ask anything more. And Tom Cannon, we bought him when he was injured. And you'll remember him last season at Preston. Um, uh, weaknesses? Yeah. If you watched the game last night, you probably don't. I don't blame you. Uh, why would you? Uh, corners, set pieces. And we were 3-0. We were, you know, we... we we went 1-0 up. We didn't really kill the game off until the second half. Uh, but when we did, they were still able to get the goal back. And had we only been 1-0 up, that could have cost us. Um, and it was from a corner. So corner set pieces, we do still look a little bit weak at those. And work needs to be done on that. Uh, as for a score prediction, oof, um Look, Stokes never uh, a, 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 a away game anybody looks forward to. So uh, I've got to say, I've got to back my team because we are in such good form at the moment, uh, well, the season. So, but I do think we'll concede a goal. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go well off the same score as last night. I'm going to go 3-1. Um, but look, I hope you do well. Uh, obviously, I, had, I don't wish you any luck for, for the weekend, of course I don't, and you wouldn't wish me any luck. But for the rest of the season, mate, good luck and, um, uh, and uh, take care of yourselves. Cheers for that, Chris, and thank you, Graham. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious who the favourites are in this match, isn't it, Mark? Hmm, just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what we we looked at these fixtures, didn't we, uh, at the weekend? And I put a little post out at what five p.m. on Saturday, knowing full well that it would get plenty of comments. If I'm honest with you, I was like, I'm not trying to do us down here, but I think Sunderland was the one of the games that I just saw as having a really good chance to uh, to get something from. Um, I think Leicester, unfortunately, Dan is going to be a quite uh, heavy defeat. If I'm honest with you, I don't think our home form is going to miraculously turn around at this point against Leicester. They're too good. They've got so much quality. They're obviously well-oiled. They're going to be full of confidence. I think the worst thing we could possibly do is just go and attack them. I really do. I think we're going to have to almost play a bit like an away team here would do. We're going to have to sit in. And for once, make the most of our chances. I think that's how we're going to win this one, if we've got any hope of winning it. But, I mean, I'll give you my prediction now. I'm going to predict a Leicester 4-1 win. I think they're going to destroy us, unfortunately. I just think they're too good. I really wish I could say something a bit more positive than that. Uh, but, yeah, they've, they've just got quality all over. Fair enough. <laughs> hey, well, Ian Acho Sorry. is still at the African Nations Cup. Uh, with Nigeria, so they are you know, still there. Uh, I was just having a look now, actually. Who's so uh, Patson Dacker? He is on his way back, so he actually played for Swansea in midweek. So that's wonderful, and he's got Dacker back, and Jamie Vardy's just come back. Uh, obviously, they've got Mavadidi knocking goals in up front, haven't they? Nobody's come and bought Keen and Dewsby Hall at the point of recording this. Hopefully, that can change <laughs> and somebody can come in for him. Uh, Wilfred and Didi's injured, though, so he'll be a big mess, I think, in midfield for them. So, yes, obviously, Harry Sutton away at the Asia Cup, and he, with Australia. 
uh, although he never actually plays, so that's not a loss for them. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously for us, we've got Junior back. Well, hey, <laughs> that's that's a that's a big plus. I wouldn't yeah. want Gooch or, or Hoover going up against some of their players. If I'm honest with you, I mean, was it uh, Mavadidi? I think it is is the main guy down down there left. I think. So yeah, I think yeah, he's what I think he scored another one tonight. If I'm not mistaken, like yeah, say Jewsbury Hall has as well. So yeah, both of them are on to ten for the season. There you go. So there's there's so much quality there. We we really need some. Uh, I just hope he's come back fit. I know he's not. He's not played tons and tons of football, but I just hope he's coming back fit and he's he's not he's not going to be knackered. I don't think so. I'm not sure what day he actually gets back. I can't, I'm, I'm not sure. Is he back now, Dan? Or I'd imagine so. They've, they've they got knocked out quite a few days ago. They don't usually hang around, do they? Maybe. No. So, I don't know whether he's had to go back to um, you know, back to Cameroon. Sometimes they'll you know, they'll go back to Cameroon and then to have like a, a reception, whatever, only for representing the country. Uh, before they all disperse back to the clubs. But, I mean, they got knocked yeah. out Saturday night, didn't they, by Nigeria? So, so he's probably had a few days off. The club will give him a couple of days off rest. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, yeah. four matches Cameroon played, and I don't think you know, Junior wasn't really involved too much in, in any of them, to be fair. No. Um, he, I say he, he was on the unused substitutes against Nigeria, unused substitutes against Gambia. Uh, he played one minute against Senegal. And 16 minutes against Guinea, so you know he's not not particularly. I mean, even the Wharton game, he was on the bench and didn't come on. <laughs> so, That's positive. You almost wonder yeah. why the hell they bother taking him. <laughs> well, I suppose it, for them, this is what is he 20? Just just turned 20 years old in December. Um, and I suppose one injury, he could have played 300 minutes, couldn't he? If if, if you know the right back had gone down injured in the first match, he'd have played every every game then, wouldn't he? But yeah, I suppose for him, for them, they're, they're a young lad, just turned twenty. By the time the next one comes round, he'll be what twenty-two. Have another seventy, eighty games under his belt, hopefully, and he might uh, might be first choice by then. But at least he'll have the the experience of this, and I think he'll probably do the world of good. And like I say, he's had a little. If, if anything else, he's he's had a change of scenery. He will come back. Even though he hasn't played very much, he'll probably be proud that he's been called up and been involved in the tournament, played a couple of games. So, yeah, hopefully he'll come back to us um, chest out and raring to go. Yeah, I, I hope so. We, we know how we know how good he can be. And like I say, I think we need every ounce of quality. And I, I, do, I do... I mean, do you want to go on to teams? I mean, you can do if you want. Yeah, yeah, sure. I haven't really put much thought into this, so I'm just looking at a list of players and just trying to work it as we go along. So, um, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. We're going to lose anyway. Is that what it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, goalkeeper is obvious. I don't think uh, Jack Bonham's breaking his way through at this at this particular moment. We'd like to keep it down below double figures. So, goalkeeper's easy. Uh, again, junior at right back. Uh, we've got Will Mott. And I'm sticking with Rose, I think, with this one. I still think we we will stick with him. And uh, Thompson, yeah, st- stick with him as well. I think that's uh, pretty obvious. Again, I'm going to go whichever combination where you want to put them, but I think 100% Berger, obviously. Bay, obviously. I'm bringing Pearson back in for this one. Like I said, I, I think we need someone who's going to... Let's, let's, let's kick him a little bit. We're going to be a little bit dirty, not dirty in the wrong way, but 
he's he's going to do all the dirty work. I don't think this is a game for Condor. We really need to be solid. We cannot play expansive football against Leicester because they've got more than enough to destroy us. So I think Condor comes out, Pearson goes in. Um, I'm almost thinking I want to put Baker in there somewhere. I definitely want Baker in there somewhere just to give us a little bit more. Uh, I I want to get Tyrese on the right, not down the middle. I think Ryan May comes back into the uh, leading the line. And if he's still with us, which I, I imagine he should be, I guess we've got no choice other than to play Haksabanovic. Uh, Vidigal, I'd love to just play, but I just I don't think we're going to see a lot of the ball. What you said earlier about Andre, he's not going to run at his man and you know skip past three or four players. I think at least Hacks maybe gives us that bit of an out when we're probably going to be up against it. So I don't know where you want to kind of shove those players, but um, that's pretty much my team off the top of my head. Okay, who's your midfield again? Well, I would like about seven midfielders. Is that okay? Uh, I, I just I want to try and find a combination probably for I'd say Burger Bay. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to drop some. I'd say yeah, Burger Bay and Pearson. So no Baker. I'd, I do want, I do want him in there. I'm just, I'm trying to think of the formation. It's, it's, it's really tricky because I would like for midfield. I think that's what I prefer to do. I just, I, I'm, I'm struggling because I, I don't want Lloris in there. Um, but I know we're playing more of a four-three-three type combo aren't we so I think if you're going to have if you're going to have a midfield three I, I'd, I'd have to go Burger Bay and Pearson if we're going to play the three mids yeah okay I, I'm yeah I think quite similar I think I've got either thing goal uh, Junior Wilmot Rose left back is a strange one it's like Thompson's been playing well, but then in a real, you know, he got caught out at the weekend badly for a couple of game, couple of goals. Because he's had that, is he going to be red alert, you know, to make sure it doesn't happen again? Um, Stevens is probably your most trusty defensive left back, yeah. but is he going to be fit enough to come in and face a team like Leicester? Um, you know, players like McAtee who's going to be running him. Uh, Pereira will be on the overlap, won't he? He'll be having, he's, he's going to be. It's going to be a tough game for him to come back in fitness-wise. Um, do you put Gooch out there? Again, is it fair to switch him over? Or do you believe Gooch on the right, but Junior on the left? It's a bit of a predicament there as to who goes who goes in. And it's, I would stick to four. I know last week I wanted the five, and he did a four. It didn't really work. I do think four in, at home is going to be better. I think if we went to about five and had the wing backs, I do think that Gooch and Thompson, because of the threat that McAtee and Mavadidi do have got, and obviously Pereira especially getting forward from right back, I think they would end up getting pinned back too much. Agreed, I think, yeah. I think the wing backs would literally become a back five. It wouldn't be three and then wing backs. They would be they would be forced back and the threat that Leicester pose would mean they would drop into a back five far too much for us. And I think then we'd then we're getting strangled further down the pitch. Um I think then because like I say they then get a bit of the freedom of the of the wings, don't they, coming on to us too much? Uh, because we'd be very narrow with three centre mids and then the two strikers. So yeah, stick to the four three three. Like I say, there's me back. I'm gonna go left back. I, 
buy myself time here to see how I'm doing chatting. Buy myself <laughs> decision. I'm going to stick it with Thompson. I think it'd be unfair to put Gooch on his wrong side, unfair to a junior in there. I think unfair to put Stevens in when he hasn't played for so long against such a top side. So we're going to stick with Thompson. He's been playing well. He played very well there in the last home game. Let's hope he can do that again. Midfield, I agree with you. I'd like to. I think Pearson's going to come in just because that bit of extra protection, especially we've got Dewsby Hall and Winks. So they are two sort of deeper midfielders for Leicester, but two very good players on the ball. You've also got Dennis Pratt, who sort of hovers around the front three there and gets in there. So I think Pearson's got a vital role to play on Saturday. I think there are going to be not going to be many games when he is vital, but I think this is going to be one that pushes Berger further forward. And I'm going to partner him up with John Ho. I think John Ho, for me, he I could put him out wide, but I think we're really uh, going to benefit from having his sort of energy yeah. in the middle. I think we are, Leicester are going to be so comfortable on the ball that we are going to have to keep pressing, pressing, pressing. And we are going to have to be prepared that we're going to keep chasing because they are going to be comfortable knocking the ball around us. And I think his energy levels and then his also his close control. I think so if he does win the ball, if we do get the ball in the midfield, his the you know, his close control, the way he can switch left foot, right foot very quickly, manoeuvre out of small spaces, um, could just be what we need to unlock to get chances or even just get free kicks and get set pieces where we can then you know, take stock take a few seconds, regroup, make sure everyone's in position and then you know, restart the game. I think that could be vital and that's why John O's going to be playing centre midfield for me. Uh, Further forward, I've got Ryan Myrie in the line. I've got um, Tyrese Campbell on the right and Andre Vidigal on the left. I mentioned Vidigal. I want to get Vidigal cutting in. I think we should be hitting Campbell more. Um, I think we should be yeah, hitting Campbell more on that wing. And I think then give give Ty the chance to stand up against Doyle, and then he can maybe you know, decide what he does there. He can you know, he's got Vidigal coming inside as well, giving him options. Ryan Mai in the middle of the box. He'll also have Berger, no doubt, and John Ho joining the attacks when we do get them, because um, there'll be plenty of energy coming from them too. So we will have options. We will have opportunities. Um, but yeah, I think we should definitely be looking to concentrate the majority of our attacks down that wing. And as I said earlier on with Vidigal, he's not a creator. He's not the one who's going to get you know, eight to ten assists a season, but he will score your goals. And a game like this might just be perfect for him to grab the headlines because, you know, he runs across the face of the box, Campbell get, you know, beats the man, pulls it back to him, and Vidigal slams it in the top corner or something. It's just the kind of game, just the kind of game that he, he would love to do it in into as well. Yeah, similar team then. Not not too many differences at all there. Yeah. What one player, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. I've got Vidigal in. Um and you've got Hacks. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Pretty much it, yeah. So what's your score prediction? I've got a four one loss. So hopefully yours is a bit more positive than mine. A bit more positive. Three. <laughs> uh, right. Just to just to bear in mind here, Graham. It's currently on 49 points for the predicted table. Opposition fans have got 44. I've got 41. You've got 36, Mike. 
I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to say two-one defeat because of the... <laughs> I think I don't think we'll get hammered. I think it'll be an entertaining game. I think we might rue miss chances. I think we'll definitely have spells where we're on top. Um, but I think they will be ruthless in front of goal and maybe show us up that we need to work on our defending a bit more. And yeah, they will probably run away, run away with the points at the end of it. I think it'll be tight at the beginning. I just think as soon as one goes in, our heads will drop thinking, well, here we go again. They're a good team. They're not going to throw this away. We'll, as you said, miss a few chances. And I think it, the confidence will just drain out of us, which is why I think it will be fine for a while. But as soon as that first one goes in, flood, floodgates open. I really wish I could be more positive, but I've, I've been I've been thinking threes and fours all week, so I've got to stick with it, I'm afraid. All right, fair enough. I mean, they scored three second half goals in the cup didn't they, at the weekend. Um, and it used to be all scored after three minutes, uh, to like in the the midweek game against Swansea. But then uh, Mavadidi scored, and then two minutes later they scored again. So. We've probably got to be... Oh, Joe Allen scored against him, by the way. Maybe we should give him a phone call. <laughs> Joe? He's barely played for Swansea, though, mate. Joe Allen has. I know he came on as a sort of 80th minute and then scored consolation for him. He so, yeah, clearly maybe... can't be that good anymore, can he? No. Maybe we can uh, tap in. Joe, Joe, what did you do? How did you manage to get into this position? <laughs> How did you, you know what I want to see? What I want to see more than anything this weekend yeah. is us actually score a goal from open play ourselves. That'd be nice. Yes, yes it would. Since not not been seen at the, at the best 365 since Ryan May. Oh, no, obviously Jordan Thompson uh, in the last game. Let's see, I forgot that one. That was the first one wanted since uh, Ryan May against someone. All those yes. uh, many, many moons ago. Uh, gaffer update, mate. It, the week hasn't finished at the time of recording, so there will be no gaffer update, unfortunately, this week. Uh, now, Super 6, I'm going to update you before the midweek one started because at the minute it's halfway through. Um, so I got eight points to move on to 250 and sit 57th. Mike, you got 10 points at the weekend to move to 255 and a 51st in the table. Uh, third place overall is Michael Gadgeter with 300. Nigel Warhol has 302 and Sean Flanagan is now up to 313 points for the season. Right, a nice six towers challenge to finish off, mate. Oh, go on then. So, this one will test your memory a bit. Leicester City are on course to smash all the records and be crowned champions of the championship this season. I think that's fair to say, aren't they? That's where they're heading at the minute. Yeah, for sure. Can you name me the last six clubs to be champions of the championship. Well, we'll let you know there is one club who've done it twice. So I'm looking for clubs. Which clubs are the last six to win the championship, including one of them who did it twice? Do you want to like win it back season by season? Yeah, I'm just... Um... Okay. West... Oh, God. How many lives have I got? Sorry. I will give you... Three. Three lives. Okay. Well, Burnley. Burnley won last year. Yeah, 2022-23. 101 points they won the league with. 
Sheffield United were second, and Luton won the playoffs. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, of course, they did. Um, so, season before that, then. I remember, if I could probably actually give you all three. Uh, Forest, Bournemouth and Fulham. Fulham won the league, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, now Fulham, would you believe this? I was amazed by this. Fulham won the league with 90 points, which is the lowest out of any club on this list. Ah, they, okay. It felt like me. It felt to me like they absolutely battered everybody in the league. Maybe it was Mitrovic was just scoring goals for Fulham. Oh, it was, yeah. Um, but yeah, they won the league 2021-22, 90 points. Bournemouth did come second and Forest did win the playoffs. Well done. Thank you. Uh, Wolves will be up there because they, they didn't go up too long ago. I, I can't tell you what season it was, but Wolves will be up there. Now, did were Wolves in one of the most recent ones? So, 2017-18, the season we got relegated for the Premier League. Wolves won the championship with 99 points. You're correct. Cardiff okay, was second. Cardiff was second that year. They got promoted and Fulham won the playoffs. Okay. Um, well, Leeds will be another because they've been up there a few seasons now. Three, four seasons. Do you think Leeds won the league? Yeah, they 20, did. Yeah. 2019-20. Leeds won the league with 93 points. Uh, under Bielsa, wasn't it? Playing Bielsa yes, ball. Yeah. So, yes, they, they won the league there. West Brom finished second and Fulham won the playoffs again. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fulham have been promoted three times at this point. Mm, no. Let so, now think. you're looking for 2020-21. Uh, we'll give you a clue. 2020-21 and 2018-19 are the same club. And then oh, Yes, I know exactly what you're on about now. It's Norwich, isn't it? Yeah, so 97 points in 2020-21. Uh, they won the league with. Watford was second and Brentford went up in the playoffs. Yeah. So you would have thought Norwich came straight back down with all the any points and Brentford goes from strength to strength, don't they? It's like Brentford have been up there forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's only three seasons. <laughs> Uh, and this this is another interesting one. So 2018-19, Norwich won the league with 94 points. Sheffield United were runners up again, and Aston Villa won the playoffs. Right. See, that feels like Dave Villa have been up there forever. Yeah. So wow, that was okay. our first season back in the championship. Mm. First of what currently sits at six. <laughs> currently, yeah. That's yes. hopefully, hopefully, we don't make that double figures. Uh, is that all six? No, so that's that's oh, yeah. that's the last six, but obviously only five clubs. So you're looking for who won the championship nine two thousand and sixteen seventeen. You got three lives, so you can just throw some throw some names at me. All right, Brighton. Brighton finished second that league oh. that season. Okay, so is this? Uh, what's his face? Who? Oh, yes. It. Hang on. Let me think. I remember standing on this is the most random thing. I think it's Newcastle, and the only reason I think it's Newcastle is because I was standing on a train platform at Manchester Airport when I heard that he was trying to be touted. I think maybe by Liverpool or something at this point. Something like that was going on. Is that right? Who was being touted? I, I can see his face. Um, 
Oh my god. I don't, I don't want to offend him by by by, oh, by trying to uh, give him an example. My god, what's the buddy name? He did really well, and I swear Liverpool were after him. Who's been linked to Liverpool? Is um, it play- a player, a manager? No, it? manager, manager. Sorry. Um. Oh, bloody hell, fire! And he was. He stayed with them. I think. I, I think he got oh, relegated he- with them the previous season, and he got promoted with them the next. Straight back up, if I'm not mistaken. Please give me the manager's name because it's bugging me. <laughs> wasn't Pardew, was it? No, it wasn't. No, it was it was more loved than that. Oh, well, that's for Benitez. <laughs> Benitez. Benitez. Benitez came back to Liverpool. Well, I, I, it was more because they were doing so well uh, and there was rumours about him not wanting to stick around. And I, I don't know why he was being linked at that point. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm pretty confident it's Newcastle just because of that memory. Yes, Newcastle did win the league in 2016-17 with 94 points. Uh, as you said, Brighton was second, and Huddersfield won the playoffs. Oh, Huddersfield, Christ. I think, did I do that without losing a life again? Uh, just the one life lost on oh, Brighton. Just the one. Oh, course, Brighton. Yeah, okay. so, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. For that. I'm just reading this story here about Rafa Benitez. You know, you've got to blame for that, for losing that story. Jack Grealish. It says here, Newcastle went on to win the championship on the last day of the season, beating Barnsley 3-0 after Jack Grealish equalised against Brighton at Villa Park. Right. So if he hadn't scored that goal, the answer would have been Brighton. (laughs) Okay, well, I'll take it. Well, yes, well done. Another six times challenge conquered. I'm getting better. I don't know if you're going to make it easier on me. I don't know. I mean, I would say that was dead easy, but... um... Yeah. The original one I wrote out, I thought, I'll have a look. Who are the last six players to play for Leicester <laughs> and Stoke? And, and I start off, I thought, Daniel Everson, obviously. Suter, good one. Yeah. Harry Souter, Robert Hooth. Yeah. And then he got Richie Delat. I thought, okay. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't have got that <laughs> And then it was Liam Moore. I'm thinking, no, this is this is getting too t- tough now. Yeah. Matthew Upson. No, and Nick Powell. I'm like, even I don't remember Nick Powell playing for Leicester. It's just no. <laughs> I would have got Upson, I think, but no, I wouldn't have got Nick Powell. No, I was like, Suter, Huth, Everson, easy. It starts getting more difficult, and then towards the end, I barely remember Liam Moore playing for Stoke, let alone Leicester. Yeah. <laughs> Although he was in the he was in the the team that won the league for them, won the Premier League. Well, in the squad. Oh well, never mind, mate. But I'll take it. I'm happy. I'm happy with that. Um, as a reminder, by the way, I'll, I'll throw it out there. I'm sure you would have done this anyway. But uh, just a reminder for anyone who's listening to this on a, on the actual release date again, Thursday rather than Friday. We are doing the 10 p.m. transfer deadline day, so it'll be 10 till about 11. Obviously, we might stand a little bit longer. We'll talk about any transfers that come in. Of course, if there's any surprise exits, then again, we'll. We'll talk about those, um, and but we'll also be running through the signings that we've obviously made as a club, so that not every single one of the eighteen players, because nobody wants to relive all of those transfers. But we'll talk about whether you know they've been a uh, a flop or whether they a little bit a little bit of it did earlier on, you know, whether they've still got a future at the club. So um, there's going to be a big upheaval or upheaval in the summer. 
So I think it's going to be a good chance just to very quickly reflect. So um, if you head to every step along the way on Twitter, you'll be able to save a reminder and it'll let you know when we joined. But 10 to 11, um, we will probably have Tom on there. Uh, if you want to have your own say, have your own say. If you just want to leave comments, we'll read them out. Um, so I'm expecting that's going to be quite a busy one. But if you are obviously not going to listen live, then it will be released on Friday. If you want to go and have a look on your normal feeds, you'll you'll find it there. That is pretty much me done for this week, Mr. Buxton. Yes, it's been a pleasure as always, mate. Let's hope that the potters can shock us on Saturday. Uh, well, you never know, Martin's have some new signings. And Leicester might have lost a couple of players like Juicy Hall, hopefully, as well. <laughs> Give us half a yeah. chance. Hopefully. Well, but yes, go on, Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.